The Fake Show podcast is sponsored by the law firm of Hutchison & Stephan, North Fifth Brewing Company, Threads of Envy, The Tone Factory Recording Studios, Moonshot.com t-shirt designs, and by Mr. Antenna. Now your host, Jim Tofty. I'm sure that Norman Lear is the oldest working executive producer in television. He's working on a new reimagined Latino version of One Day at a Time for Netflix that'll premiere in January of 2017. His America Divided docuseries is wonderful, and now PBS honors him on American Masters. Norman Lear on the line with us right now. Hi, Jim. How are you, sir? It's an honor to speak with you. It's an honor to speak with you, too, and no complaints from this end. Great. You know, as American Masters is getting ready to focus on your life in a brand new documentary, I'm wondering who put this together? Well, there were two uh, young women who made this film, and they, I, I can't get over the sensitive and uh, enormously creative job they did. It, it, it isn't like a talking head documentary at all. I don't know how to explain it, except that it it most it was most artfully done by Rachel Grady and Heidi Ewing. They did a, a beautiful job. I'm proud to have lived that life. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And, and I've heard good things about the work that they do. You know, when I think about people like Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks and yourself, is it the work that keeps you working? Well, it, yeah, I know a good part of it has to be the laughter. I've always thought as long as I can remember that laughter adds time to one's life. And we're three guys that have been uh, in the business of creating, and you don't really create laughter without laughing an awful lot yourself. Right. Well, I've had all those years of rehearsals leading to a, a single performance in each case. You know, laughing all the way. It has to have added time. On the other side of things, you became involved in social activism at a very young age, didn't you? What motivated you? Uh, my dad went to prison when I was a kid. And uh, I was sustained uh, in school by civic classes. I didn't have a father with me, but I had founding fathers. And uh, as a Jewish kid, uh, who I just learned a lot about anti-Semitism. I had uh, a First Amendment of the Little Rights a Declaration and a Constitution that was there to protect everybody, including me. And, uh, you know, I just fell in love with everything that America meant in, in that way. You had had uh, success being nominated for an Oscar in 1967 for your script, for Divorce American Style, and I remember as a kid really loving that movie. And then you kind of pivoted to television. How did that happen? You know, I wanted... <laughs> I was a kid of the Depression, and I had one uncle who uh, would flip me a quarter when he saw me, and he said he was a press agent. I didn't know what a press agent was, uh, but I knew I wanted to be an uncle who could flick a quarter to a nephew. So I wanted to be my uncle Jack. He was, he was my role model. And uh, I came to California to do that and uh, ran into a fellow who had come to be a comedy writer. And basically what a press agent was doing was putting words in columns, in the, you know, writing in for columns the, uh, the clever things a client might have said. Very close to comedy writing. So we, too, started to work as comedy writers. To create All in the Family, and, and let me 
give you this perspective. I was 13 years old when that show premiered. And at the time, we had all of these rural comedies like Andy Griffith, Beverly Hillbillies, Green Acres, which I was a big fan of as a kid. And then, boom, this red-hot, biting social commentary of a show that was also hysterical. It's just amazing to me. And I'm wondering, when this show premiered, what did CBS and those officials think about it? You know, with, uh, I made it in 1968 for ABC. They were the ones who uh, who funded the beginning and the pilot and so forth. But they wouldn't put it on. They laughed like hell uh, <laughs> and, and was, I guess, frightened of it. They, would, they didn't put it on. They caused me to make it again at the end of the year because contractually they could. And I did. And each time it was Carol O'Connor and Gene Stapleton. And each time it was the same script because yeah. I used to say, we're going to show 360 degrees of Archie Bunker. And uh, this script does that. So it was the same script with different young people. And uh, they didn't put it on ultimately and they lost control of it. It came back to me. I went on and made a film called Cold Turkey, and in the course of the couple of years it took to do that, a new uh, uh, man took over at CBS. Bob Wood was his name, and uh, he had heard about this uh, pilot that was going back and forth. Everybody was looking at it. Nobody would put it on, and he did. He looked at it and said, let's do this. So it was a fresh outlook, and I mean, this had to have been right after the time that the Smothers Brothers got into trouble for expressing their viewpoints, in other words. Yes. Yeah. They wanted, uh, they insisted upon changes that were kind of silly, and I, I didn't think we were doing anything so unusual. There wasn't any problem that we dealt with, any subject at all, that wasn't very common uh, in, uh, in every neighborhood in America. To me, it just seemed like you really pushed television finally to the point where we were kind of dealing with some of these topics, where movies and some other things had, had already been doing that. Yeah. As it turned out, that's what we were doing. As we went into it, we were simply reflecting life as we saw it. Now, I have to say, too, before I let you go, you are part of this fascinating, outstanding docu-series that I've watched called America Divided on Epics. You're not only an executive producer, but also a correspondent. And you, in the first episode, you deal with the housing crisis in New York City. I'm assuming that you learned of quite a few things by your reaction that you didn't know before this. Quite right. I had, you know, to read about it and to kind of have a sense of uh, what's going on. We humans of the species have learned to live with a lot of things we basically can't bear, the suffering of, of so many. To be in it and hosting one of those episodes and actually going into those neighborhoods and sitting with those people, it was quite another experience. And I asked myself as I have this conversation with you why I'm not Instead of talking here and now, why I'm not out trying to do something about it in the streets, because I mean, going through that, it was just what, what what's happening to people as they seek to making a reasonable living in New York, but you know, at the the lower third instead of the top third, and being unable to live in the city because of the rentals and so forth. It's just it's. Uh, 
it's insane. Yeah, America Divided, a great series. Everybody should be tuning in to watch this on Epics. And American Masters, Norman Lear, just another version of you. It premieres October 25th on PBS, and I'm sure that there will be multiple showings. Good luck to you. It was an honor and a pleasure to talk to you. It was my pleasure also, and thank you. Thank you, Norman. Bye-bye. Norman Lear has said in the past that when it came to writing and producing shows like All in the Family, we were relating our own experiences as parents, as fathers, as children. We weren't looking to do anything that wasn't obvious. And while he made Richard Nixon's enemies list, and he was proud of that, he simply felt that he was trying to tell the truth about American life, and it was no big deal. But he was almost single-handedly responsible for the explosion of bold, groundbreaking American television in the 1970s. Well, that is it for this edition of The Fake Show. I do feel very lucky to interview people like Norman Lear, and I hope that you enjoyed it. I'm Jim Tofty, and I will talk to you next time. Take The Fake Show with you at thefakeshow.com, SoundCloud, and at iTunes.